anywhere you may be, it's good to study God's word together tonight. Paradventure, you are just joining this, our daily teaching of God's word for the first time. I am Reverend Bade Ugunlana, and uh, it is a great opportunity to have you join us, even as we study God's Word together. We are preparing for next year. We want to set solid foundation. We need to. We need to. We don't want next year to just come and go. We need to set some certain things on ground. For what purpose? So that we enjoy a better year. That's the purpose. We find out that the height of a building is often determined by the depth of the foundation. So it makes sense that we have a solid foundation for the new year. And we're starting by looking at uh, how to lay solid foundation for prayer lives. You need to develop personal prayer lives. When Jesus said in the world, you will have tribulation, what he meant was that we're going to have trials, we're going to have challenges. Blessed are you that you have developed a solid personal prayer life when the time of evil comes. Because the book of Ephesians buttress what Jesus said in chapter 6. The Bible says, stand therefore. Why? Because of the evil days. So it's even in the epistles that evil days will come. Don't ever think that it is because of your sin against God or because of not paying tight in church that you are fighting or facing pressure in life. No, since Adam fell, we are all entitled to. So therefore, be ready. But this is where developing solid prayer life comes in. Because there is no problem that can ever come your way that your prayer cannot solve. Don't ever forget that. People may pray for you in life. It's not a sin, but you don't need to. You don't need to have people pray for you in life. Throughout your life. I'm talking about personal challenges of life. This is different from praying for ministers that God will grant unto him or trans. Those ones are different. But when it comes to the challenges of life that will come your way in your lifetime, your prayer life can solve it. You can. You can. And that is why you need to develop solid prayer life. We have laid some foundations for that. And thank God many people have been building on it. We say let's divide ourselves into three categories. The category of people who are ready. People who are ready for what, pastor? People who are ready to pray 30 minutes every day. We call them silver group. We have another one, gold group. They are the ones that are ready to pray for one hour every day. Then you have the platinum, two hours every day. Many people have been doing that. Once you pray for 30 minutes and you are regular, once you pray for one hour or two hours, just send text to me. Pastor, I've done three hours now. I've done two hours now. People in several continents of the earth are joining. And we are praying. It's so wonderful. Let me tell you one thing. What I'm just saying now is not strange to many of us. In fact, some of us used to do it before. Remember those days when you used to have all night VG? alone. But now, it's even difficult for you to have it in the midst of a group of people. Talk less of alone. (laughs) 
Why, Pastor? There are many reasons. But one of the things uh, Apostle Paul said is that when one gets married, you start getting concerned about the cares of this world. He said there is tendency for married, a single person, to be more spiritual. But many of you are married, so your attention will be to your spouse. A single guy or a single sister, his or her attention will be towards God. Those of you that are trusting God for who to marry and are not yet gotten someone, don't sit down with a doing pity party. Just tell yourself it's an opportunity to be spiritual. Who come with what we are doing on prayer now? Get on the platinum level. Pray two hours every day. Instead of sitting down and uh, waiting for somebody to come and rub your head and say sorry, you will get more done for the kingdom and husband will come faster. So, take advantage of the time that you have now. You may never have more time at your disposal than that. Then we went on to talk about Bible study. You are meaning to understand Bible. Our teaching of yesternight was very, very important. <clears throat> if you want to understand the Bible, please, that teaching of yesterday was very important. I narrated from Genesis to the book of Revelation the essence. What is the Bible all about? The Bible is all about God. Showing us how the earth came to be, how the devil came and took advantage, causing Adam and Eve to sin. They obeyed the devil. The devil used the opportunity to infiltrate into human life and system and nature man became inheritor of the nature of the devil god was planning how to come back and change that nature that's what the bible is all about that's what the bible is all about and he rounded up by showing us he rounded up by showing us that At the end, there will be another world. That's the book of Revelation. That's what the Bible is all about. I now took time to explain how God was looking for a man. He got Abraham and all this stuff. So that teaching was very important. I need to dissect to us some certain facts that will help us to grasp the truth of the word of God by the time we start studying so this, the teaching of today is very, very important. I just want to give us three keys. <laughs> I want to give us three keys. Let me tell you the preparation I had concerning this teaching. You remember yesterday I was in Abuja. I had to be back today. And uh, the trip and everything... One will be slightly tired, but I'm kind of used to it. And of course, this is the second uh, recordings I'm doing today. My life is all about recordings. <laughs> I should write a book one day on media ministry. I'm sure it will become a bestseller because I've had tremendous experience in media. Television, radio, internet, and co. Now, so I, it's, I'm a little bit tired because of the journey. But it's good for a teaching like this. Why, Pastor? Because I want to show us three points. And I'm doing my best not to make it complex. Because the simple three points I want to show you about secret of understanding Bible in explaining them, they can be complex. So I pray that God will give me the utterance to make it simple. They are simple points, but they are so in-depth. Mm, they are so in-depth. It actually requires you to sit down, and you might need to listen to a teaching like this over and over and over. So there are three keys I want to give us. By the way, let's learn from that. This is one of the things that shows a good teacher. 
as you grow up to become a Bible teacher, when you give people points, when you teach, don't give too lengthy a point. What do you mean by that, Pastor? What I mean by that is this. You know, I said I want to give us three keys. I didn't say 13 keys. It's difficult to remember 13 keys. It's easier to remember three. So as much as possible, make sure you summarize your points. Don't give too many points. Human beings are not as sharp as you may think. That, is, that makes you a good teacher. If you sit down and think very well, most of my teachings, you can almost summarize it into a sentence. You will know this is what pastor is talking about. For example, today, I want to give you three keys to make you understand Bible clearer. That's what I'm going to talk about. I may give a thousand and one example, but I've already shown you. So even if you don't get too much, you will say what pastor talk about today is this. So let's now look at the three keys. They, 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 are, they are good. They will help you understand Bible. The teaching of yesterday, don't forget, all these things have been built up. They have been built up. They are talking about the same thing, looking at the same thing from different perspectives. So that by the time you start studying Bible, you will know. You will not be starting where we started. Where did you start, Pastor? We started in the dark. We didn't know anything about Bible. Sincerely, I didn't even know anything about New Testament, Old Testament. <laughs> I just wanted to read Bible. That's all. It didn't get done on me that the Bible is talking about two different era. Era of the Old Testament, era of the New Testament. We were not just taught like that. It's just funny. But you can start like that. That's why I'm teaching like this. What are the three keys that I want to give you? Now, anytime you pick your Bible, you know Bible is from Genesis to Revelation. Anytime you pick your Bible, or when anybody quotes Bible in your mind, ask this question. If it is you that you are studying Bible also, ask this question. What is the question, Pastor? Ask who was speaking. What was being said? And who are the audience? That simple thing can help you understand and interpret the Bible a lot clearer. Who was speaking? What was being spoken? Who are they speaking to? That line of thought makes Bible very clear. I am telling you, many people have not given attention to that simple thing I just told you. And they misinterpreted the Bible. So anytime you read something, ask yourself, who is speaking? Who is he speaking to? What did he say? Oh, it makes a whole lot of difference. Especially, <coughs> who is he speaking to? Who is he talking to? Take, for example, Matthew chapter 19. Let me start from verse 1. It makes Bible clearer. When you ask yourself, who spoke? What did he say? Who was he talking to? It makes Bible a lot clearer. Those of you that are listening to me with Jota, please write that one down. Jot that one down. That's very, very important. Uh, this particular line of uh, studies that we are having, you might need jotter, so don't hesitate to be jotting things down. You are alone in your room, in your office, or whatever, so be free to jot down things. In Matthew chapter 19, let's start from verse 1, and I will show you how, if you clearly do what I just said, it makes the Bible clearer. Verse 1 says, And it came to pass that when Jesus had finished these sayings, he departed from Galilee and came into the coast of Judea, beyond Jordan. And great multitudes followed him, and he healed them there. Hallelujah. The Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, and saying unto him, Is it lawful for a man to put away his wife, 
for every cause. They are saying, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for every reason? I want you to take note of one thing there. The Bible says that the Pharisees came tempting him. So the, let's, let's use our approach to scrutinize this thing here. Of course, you, you, if you are acquainted with theologians, you will know that the example we are using today <laughs> is of interest to theologians over years. Over years. Now, see what Jesus, the Bible says. The Pharisees came tempting him. This is also an opportunity for us, some of us to learn. When you are, when you, if you are a preacher and you go to preach in some places, I want you to understand the spirit behind a question. There are sometimes some people will have wrong spirit behind their question. Wrong spirit behind their questions. For example, these people came with the intention of tempting Jesus. They had ulterior motive. Pastor, can they have ulterior? Yes, they can. In fact, I've preached in some places whereby even the people that invited me had ulterior motives. I preached in some places whereby some people wanted to use the fact that I'm a little bit slightly popular and so they want me to raise offering. The motive was not right. I've preached in some places that practically every time I preach there, they want me to raise offering. The motive was not clean. I went to preach in one church one day, and the pastor's wife, pastor's wife that invited me was the one that was asking questions to disturb, disrupt, <laughs> and dismantle all I have built. Talking about hearing in a church where they don't wear hearing. And she just came out and said, Pastor, I, I don't believe in uh, that people that are using hearing will go to heaven. I said, It's okay. <laughs> She said, but you said it on telly that they will not go to hell. I said, I said so. But since that's what you believe, it's okay. She said, you will have to answer it. I said, Mama, don't let's worry about that. Let's continue. We have had a wonderful time. She said, no. Then the husband said, no. So I started thinking, are you not the one that invited me? Why do you want to drag me? Because what he thought, she thought was that she will floor me. I mean, why do you want to floor your invited preacher? I mean, why? I, I was just wondering. I said, I'm not interested in answering it. The husband joined and said, you have to answer it. I'm like, come on, God. So I can understand when the Bible says that they came tempting him. Of course, I flawed her. <laughs> I flawed her. Yeah. What will she know? That uh, she will now flaw someone like me. I flawed her. <laughs> I thank my God. <laughs> but I wouldn't, I would never have done that. But she was the one that, uh, that caused it. And I was even trying my best to avoid it. She said, Pastor, if God wants people to use hearing, why didn't he make holes in the hairs of women when they were born? Baby girl. I said, I, I, I wonder too, oh, mama. You are right, oh. I wonder, oh. I wonder, oh, because if God wants male children to be babbing their hair, they should have been born with clippers. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear. Everybody laughed. I didn't look at her face, oh. I got in my Bible. I ran out. <laughs> uh, you don't know sometimes you minister and just suddenly disappear. John chapter 5, Jesus healed one guy and he suddenly disappeared. <laughs> oh dear. So, if you look at this place, so the first question is this. The people that ask questions that, um, 
do you have a right or what right do you have for what reason can you put away your wife can you put away your wife for any and every reason so the first question is that who asked the question the jews the jews what did they ask jesus the pharisees in verse 3 came unto him tempting him and saying is it lawful for a man to put away his wife for every cause so they came to him and said that for every reason do you have a right to put away to to divorce so who asked the question the jews the pharisees who did they ask the lord jesus what did they ask they said is it right for you to divorce for any and every reason so when jesus answered who was he answering he was answering the jews if i say this please you may not understand it yet mm? so don't worry don't worry about this statement that i'm that i'm going to make you may not understand it yet but eventually we are going to tackle some difficult passages in the bible you will understand by that time even before that time if you keep listening to me every time by the grace of god we have this teaching every day so keep listening you will understand it as time goes on what i want to say is this that <clears throat> this question was asked by the jew so when jesus was answering the question he had the jews in mind if i tell you that this is not the question this question was not directed to everybody in the world Jesus' answer here was directly targeted at the Jews. Jesus' answer here focused on the Jews. It was the Jews that he was answering. Sincerely, this is not an answer for believers. <laughs> I know some of you are shifting from where you, you are sitting. Some are even shifting in every direction. <laughs> See, what Jesus was saying here, he was talking to the Jews about what was spoken to the Jews. So when the Pharisees came, and he answered them, verse 4, and said unto them, have you not read that he which made them at the beginning, made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and the twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore there are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man put asunder. <laughs> one day I'm going to carry, see, I, I, I will carry you people on a tough journey of Bible knowledge. And I will carry you. We will talk on divorce. It has been a subject that has uh, caused a lot of uh, uh, stress. But, but I'm going to run a teaching on it so that you will be sad about it. <coughs> but this particular passage, Jesus was talking to the Jews. Because we we're going to look at one thing. But I want you to see another thing that I established that verse 7. They say unto him, why did Moses then command to give a written of divorce and to put her away? He said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. These people understood Jesus' answer. They knew he was not talking to the Nigerians. They knew he wasn't talking to Americans. They knew he was talking to them. How do you know, Pastor? Because they said, why is it that Moses, our forefather, said? When they came to him for the same question, he gave, he gave them the permission to write a letter of divorce. So it's a family thing. It's a thing about the Jews. It's not about everybody in the world. To tell you the sincere fact, <laughs> I don't want to say so many things. That's why I was avoiding going in depth into some certain things tonight to tell you the truth about it. You know what I did? 
my son wanted to go out. You know, I just came down from uh, Abuja. My son wanted to go out to buy something. I said, let's take road together. Because I don't want to sit down with the Bible too much so that I will not teach much more above <laughs> our people's head. So I avoided studying so much so that I will not teach too deep. Because listen to this. This is a question that was asked by the Jews and Jesus was talking to the Jews. That's why those people also knew that he was talking to them in particular. So they cited the example of Moses, who was their forefather, their, their past leader. It's just like a colloquial thing. It's just like a family thing. It's a Jewish thing. Actually, when he said that uh, uh, for this purpose, a uh, man shall leave his father and mother and this and this and that, it was written directly to the Jew. Oh, are you not saying that uh, everybody should divorce? No, no, that's not what I said. You will see that Jesus also referred to the very beginning, before the Jews came up. He said originally, it wasn't meant to be. That is, before God called Abraham, it has always been stated, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So there is that general law of marriage that is applicable to everyone in the world. But in this particular place, about this particular question, and about the particular answer, it was the Jewish people that asked the Lord Jesus, and Jesus answered the Jewish people according to what is written about and to them. For that simple statement I've made, maybe after tonight's teaching, Read Matthew chapter 19 from verse 1 to the end. You will understand it in a new dimension by simply asking yourself, who was speaking? The Lord Jesus. What was he saying? He was answering the question when they asked him the question, can I divorce my wife at any reason? Who was he answering? The Jews. Have that at the back of your mind. Now read Matthew chapter 19 from the from verse 1 to the last verse, you will see it in a new light that probably you have never seen it before. This is the Jewish people asking Jesus and he answered them. So, that's one of the key to understand the Bible. Who was speaking? Who was he speaking to? What was he saying? When you have that, it makes Bible clearer to you. Then, Pastor, we saw the Jewish people here. Are they not the only people or what? Now listen. The second key is this. First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Look at the second key. First Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 and 32. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 and 32. Look at this key. Don't forget. There are three different set of people that the Bible talks about in the word of God. The Bible is written to three different sets of people. What are the three different sets of people? The Jews. That is the children of Israel, the offsprings of Jacob, Israel, who was the son of Isaac, Isaac who was the son of Abraham. So you have the Jews. Then the Bible mentions the Gentiles. Who are the Gentiles? The Gentiles are the people on the earth that are different from the Israelites. So Israelites are the Jews. The rest of the people on the earth are referred to as Gentiles. Then the third category of the people that the Bible addressed is the church. Who are the church? The church are those that have been called out 
either from the Gentiles or the Jews into the body of Christ. Simply put, born-again Christian. So there are three different categories of people that the Bible is addressed to. You have the Jews, who are the Israelites. Then you have the Gentiles, who are the other nations of the earth apart from Israel. Then you have the church of God, who are the people that are born again. To be born again, according to the Bible, means to be called out of darkness into his marvelous light. They may now be Jew before, or Gentiles before, but they have now been called into salvation. They are the called out ones. They are the church of God. So there are three categories of people on the earth. You have the Jews, the Israelites. Then you have the Gentiles, the rest of the people on the earth apart from the Israelites. Then the church of God. Who are the ones that are called out from either the Jew or the Gentiles? So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 31 and 32 now says, whether, there, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God. Every one of you, don't forget this second key. Whenever you read Bible, ask yourself, this portion of the Bible that I'm reading, who is it applicable to? Is it for the Jews? Is it for the Gentiles? Is it for the church of God? There are some certain things that are directly spoken to exclusively for the Jews. There are some certain things that are general. That one is for the Gentiles. You remember the Gentiles stands for every other person on the earth apart from the children of Israel. Then there are some certain things that are spoken to the church. Ha! Ah. How many times we have made error? Because the things that are spoken to the church, we will apply it to unbelievers. I don't want to cite an example of marriage, but marriage is, the, is one of the clearest things to use to explain some of these things. For example, <laughs> oh God, oh God, <clears throat> let me let us study more before I say some things. Because there are some things that are not directed to unbelievers at all. And we, because we don't understand Bible. Somebody looked up one day and said, the people that profess to be born again, that they need to do restitution. Do you know that the people that talk about restitution, usually, they usually refer to two passages in the Bible, majorly. They refer to the case of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus that Jesus said, come up, I'm staying in your house today. Luke chapter 19. Let me show you where they normally talk about. Everybody, don't forget the, what we are studying. I'm giving you one rule of understanding Bible. There are three different set, set of people that the Bible talks to. The Jews, the Gentiles, and the Church of God. So anytime you are reading a portion of the Bible, ask yourself, is this one written to the Gentiles? Is it meant for the Jews? Is it meant for the church? Many times when you see people misunderstand or misinterpret the Bible, that is where they do make mistakes. Look at this example of restitution. So people that teach restitution, 
They usually refer to the case of Zacchaeus in Luke chapter 19. Let me start from verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him. And he said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him for food. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house. For as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Oh, many proponents of restitution have used this passage. This is the passage they usually use. This is the passage. They say, Zacchaeus said, I will return whatever I have stolen fourfold. That's why salvation entered into his house. But that's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, This day is salvation come to this house. For as much is also a son of Abraham. The reason why salvation is entering Zacchaeus' house is not because he did restitute. It is because he was one of the children of Abraham. But the proponent of the doctrine of restitution, they will say, do you want salvation to also come to your house? Restore what you have stolen. That's not why Zacchaeus was saved. Zacchaeus was saved according to the Lord Jesus Christ who saved him. (laughs) I mean, if nobody knows why he was saved, the Lord Jesus that saved him supposed to know Jesus said that salvation is coming to this guy's house because he was one of the children of Abraham. That is why salvation is coming to his house. So he was not saved because he he did restitute. And many people have used this doctrine. They will say that uh, you have to do restitution. But clearly looking at it here, we find out that this was not spoken to believers. This is not written to the church of God. Let me show you something else. The other passage that this passage is for those people that are very good with their Bible. This is another passage that they refer to when they want to talk about restitution. Acts of the Apostles chapter 19. Look at what the Bible says. Many of them also, which use curious arts. Let me start from verse 17. And this was known to all the Jews and Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on all of them. And the name of the Lord Jesus was magnified. And many that believed came. Now, this is a believer issue now. Many that did what? That believed. So this is... This passage I want to read to you is what is applicable to believers. Because the Bible says that many that believed came. Are you there? Verse 18. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. Many of them also which used curious arts brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. Who are the people that burnt all their, the things that they use in curious arts? Who are the people that came and showed all their deeds? The people that already believed. They, they already believed. Listen to this. They got saved without doing anything you can even smell as restitution. Restitution is not a requirement for salvation. In fact, restitution is not meant for unbelievers. (laughs) Restitution is not meant for unbelievers. The people that are saved here they are the ones that brought some wrong things that they have been using before. But you know, we take the menon that belong to believers, we apply it to unbelievers, and we cause confusion. 
Somebody will come and say, you have to confess all your sins in life before you can be saved. Pastor, is that not right? That is not right. That is not right. That is not only that it is not right, it is not intelligent. How can you remember all the sins you have sinned in life? Oh, some of you got born again at the age of 17, 18. You haven't done so much. You are just small devils. Look at the man that got born again at the age of 78. You said he should go and do restitution to ask forgiveness from everyone that he has sinned against. <laughs> That's where he will, he will die going around. He can't even remember every one of them. So how can somebody be saved? Just come as you are. Uh, just come as you are. If you have 13 wives, come as you are. He will save you with your 13 wives. He will save you. Somebody was uh, low in Bible knowledge. And not long ago, the person sent text to me and said, Pastor, change your surname from Ogunlana to Jesulana. Oh, I'm sorry for those of you that are not Yorubas. <laughs> uh, the fellow was implying that since there is one idol in Yoruba land called Ogun, and that Ogun is in my name. So then he now put it and said, Nobody bearing such name will make heaven. <laughs> I laughed. I said, I never know that it is name that decides who goes to heaven. I said, my brother, stop that kind of nonsense ignorance. I don't like unintelligent argument. Go and sit down. I said, where, where have you seen that the Bible talks about you making heaven because of your name? No, name has nothing to do with heaven at all. At all. It is if you are recreated in Christ Jesus. So the Bible talks about the Jews, the Gentiles, and the church of God. Anytime you are reading the Bible, ask yourself, this passage that I'm reading, is it about the Jews? Is it about the Gentiles? Is it about the church of God? Once you know that this passage, who it is addressing, ah, Bible becomes clearer. There are some passages that are written for unbelievers. Restitution is not written to unbelievers. It doesn't even make sense. Do you know what God did for us when we came to him? He wiped away completely our past. No, you were not forgiven when you came to Christ. Your sins were remitted. Your sins were not forgiven. Your sins was remitted. Have you talked about, have you thought about when you format hard drive? <laughs> that is how God formatted our past. He formatted it. We are a brand new person in Christ Jesus. Pastor, are you saying that all the bad things I've done before, maybe you have committed abortion before, I, are you saying that God will not remember it again? I'm not saying God will not remember it. I say he is not. He has wiped them away completely. God has wiped them away completely. He has separated our past from us completely. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't let the devil oppress you, suppress you by the thought of your wrongs of yesterday. Don't let the devil corner you and make you feel bad. Don't let the devil cripple you, cripple your growth. Don't let the devil steal your joy by telling you that since you have done something wrong before, uh, your, your, your wrong is in the presence of Jehovah God. Go and sit down. You are a brand new person in Christ Jesus. Pastor, but I did it. Yeah, I knew you did it, but the person that did it is not the one that you are now. He has wiped away your past. If any man be in Christ is a new creature, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a brand new person. But pastor, I made mistake after I got born again. Ask God to forgive you. Some of you don't understand the way God forgives. It's because you are natural, you are carnal. When God forgives you, he wipes it away completely. In fact, if you ask him twice and say, God, that sin that I confessed to you an hour ago, Please forgive me. God will ask you, what are you talking about? 
Because since he, you have confessed an hour ago, he has wiped it away completely. It's difficult for human natural brain to comprehend, but that is what he did for us in Christ Jesus. That's the meaning of grace. Hallelujah. But pastor, why is it that my heart keeps beating me? You, you, it's because of your lack of knowledge. That's why. That's why. And many of you are suffering from such thing. Do you know why? It's because you are proud. It's your pride that has not allowed you to forgive yourself because you kept thinking, a whole man could do that. Who, who are you? Who are you? <laughs> oh, you, you made the first step. You made the first step. Ask God to forgive you, forgive you. No wonder Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. The Bible says that we should come to the throne of grace with boldness. To come and do what? To come and obtain mercy. Who needs mercy? If not that someone that has done wrong. And the Bible says when you want to come for mercy, come boldly. You know what it means to come boldly to God to receive mercy? It means you come to God like this and say, God, I know I have done something wrong, but you don't have a choice. You have to forgive me. If you ask me, are you a bad boy? I'll say I'm a bad boy. But there is, you can't throw me away. Where do you want to throw me to the enemy? No way, Father. You are going to forgive me. That is boldness. That is boldness. That is what belongs to the church of God. Sometimes we preach to sinners as if they are saints. What is written to sinners, we use it for the saints. What is written for the saints, we use it for the sinners. Do you know that there is, in my mind, and if you also understand Bible, you will realize that there is no difference between unbelievers. They are the same. Oh, I know one believer that beats his wife. He's an unbeliever, that's why he's doing it. I know another one that is so gentle, he doesn't beat his wife. He's also an unbeliever. <laughs> they are the same. They are the same. There is no better unbeliever. There is no worse unbeliever. Unbeliever is unbeliever. Unbeliever is unbeliever. Do you know that in character, you may see a Christian that is better than the other, but they have equal standing before God. There is no better Christian. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying there is no better Christian. We all have a standing before him. Some may be weak. They will become strong one day. Hallelujah. So the second principle or key is for you to ask yourself, this passage we are talking about, is it written for the Jews? Is it law for the Gentiles? Is it for the church of God? There are a couple of things that are written for the Gentiles. For example, 1 Timothy chapter 2. The Bible shows us in 1 Timothy chapter 2, how we need to deal or relate with unbelievers. Verse 1, I exhort therefore the first of all supplication, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks, be made for all men. That, th th this is a passage that is talking to unbelievers here. He said, when you want to deal with all men, give thanks. Pray, pray of intercession, prayers, supplication for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and uh, honesty. There are some certain laws, certain things that are about the Gentiles. Recognize it and don't mix it with the church. Later on, when we have more time and we, have sub we are dealing with subjects that is in that direction, we are going to probe at some certain things that God has spoken to unbelievers and many pastors, because they are not tra trained in the world of the truth, they apply it to believers. When the scriptures say things like uh, confession of sins and all those stuff, you need to understand when he's talking to believers, when he's talking to unbelievers. What is wrong with unbeliever is more than what he has done, the wrong he has done. He is wrong by nature. 
That is why forgiveness will not do any good to an unbeliever. Forgiveness will do nothing. It has to be changed. The whole engine has to be changed. The third principle before we go tonight is this. The Bible can never be understood by the mind of man. That is the third thing I want you to understand. Is tomorrow I'll be able to build on this because I want us to start establishing traditions on Bible. Bible study. The same way we have traditions established concerning prayers, you remember that every Monday we have fixed it for our fasting day now. I said you may be able to fast till 12 noon. You may be able to fast till 3 p.m. You may go as far as 6 p.m. Just take a couple of uh, hours or minutes to pray. Just pray a little bit more. And let's just fast on Mondays. I said you can break your fasting by 12 noon, by 3 p.m., by 6 p.m., any time. But not earlier than 12 noon. You, you can. It depends on the work you are doing. Sometimes if you are doing some rigorous work, you can drink water. No problem. We just want to make sure that on Mondays we, we are off food to be able to concentrate and pray. That kind of tradition, I want us to establish it concerning study Bible. That is why this third point, we will study it tomorrow. That is, you can understand Bible with your mind. And you can understand that by looking at how many professors of the Bible that are not born again. There are a lot of them that are not born again. They have solid mental comprehension. But you don't comprehend Bible with your mind. And this is one of the things that will lead us into about two or three traditions that we are going to establish in studying the Bible in the forthcoming year. So tomorrow, by the grace of God, Let's uh, continue with this teaching about three keys that I said you need to know in understanding Bible very well. The first one I said, ask yourself, who was speaking? Who was he speaking to? What is being said? The second key I said, there are three different categories of people that the Bible or the audience that the Bible talked to. So when you see a passage, you ask yourself, out of the Jews and the Gentiles and the church of God, this particular passage, who was it addressed to? Who is he talking about? Is it about the Jews? Is it about the Gentiles? Is it about the church of God? So you ask yourself that question. The third key is what I said we're going to look at tomorrow. And this is the key. You don't understand the Bible with your mind. You only need to see the revelation of it in your spirit. By the grace of God tomorrow, that is what we are going to study. I hope you have been able to get one or two things tonight. Meditate and think about what we are studying. You'll find out that you'll be a better Bible student in the forthcoming year. I'm Reverend Bade Ogunlana. Have a very lovely night.